All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. As always, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here with my friend, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing great, Andy. You know, as, as we get to this time of year and into the middle to later September, there begins to be a little bit of a crisp and a chill in the air. The leaves begin to turn and I think I speak for everyone at large when I say the number one thing that that brings to the forefront of people's minds is that college basketball is just around the corner, you know, and it's so exciting. You're seeing more of the the Rothstein tweets. The countdown, I think, has begun. You're seeing teams kind of come out with non-conference schedule news, and, and so it's it's impossible not to be excited. And I think today we, we've got one of, I think, maybe our, our – favorite interviews we've done since we started this podcast. And that's right. This is the last of the fun summer podcast. We sat down with Oregon State legend Kevin McShane, former captain, a four-year player with Craig Robinson, technically the first recruit of the Robinson era. We break it down with him. We talk about winning a CBI. We talk about what it was like to go to the White House four years in a row. He does a great White House impression. Yeah, we kind of glossed over. He briefly does an Obama impression. It's one of the better ones. So shout among other things, shout outs to Kevin for that. We're also going to talk about Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, Pac-10, Pac-2 updates. We'll give you all the conference realignment news, what's going on, how the restraining order is going, everything you need to know about Oregon State Something sports. I never thought we'd have to say on this podcast. But first, as always, the Oregon State fight We need it right now. Oh, it's just it's 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 just adding fuel to the fire right now. Adding fuel to the fire that is burning down the Pac-12. Now the Pac-2. Let's recap. For our listeners, um, if you only get your news from this podcast, uh, first off, I commend you highly. That's the perfect thing to do. Um, Second off, I'll give you an update. So when we last left you, it was down to the Pac-4. Eight schools had departed the Pac-12. Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford remained strong together. They remain committed to the conference. Now, as we update you, it is down to the Pac-2 and what we are now referring to as the Trader 10, as Stanford and Cal have joined the ACC, graciously agreeing to play their home games in Dallas at SMU for the foreseeable future. Sam, give me your instant takeaways. I mean, what better way to tell your fans, especially the ones that have been supporting the basketball programs of these two institutions the past couple years that you care about them than being like, yes, we acknowledge that it's, the, the travel part of this is stupid. So we're just going to stay in Dallas. And if you want to come, you can. Great. If not, whatever. I, I mean, it's so stupid. It's beyond words. I'd almost rather be, no, I, I'm going to, this is a hot take to some maybe, but I'd much rather be Oregon State or Washington State than Cal or Stanford right now. Oh, 100%. That just, it, it's, it's, it's a step short of a death blow. Oh, 100%. I mean, how are people going to go to the games? Right. Literally. I mean, I guess maybe maybe there's a lot of Cal fans in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Maybe I'm downplaying the amount of Cal alumni. And maybe there's a lot of Stanford alumni out there. I don't know. There's a lot of money. There's tech jobs in Dallas, I assume. But 
It's that's impossible. How could you do that to your fans? It just I I picture like that's traitor ten behavior. Just, you know, Cal playing at Duke at like four thirty hour time. You oh. know, Pacific on a Wednesday, and there being just three people behind Cal's bench looking absolutely miserable. Oh, that's the way I've been describing it to people because. For outsiders, people who haven't been exactly tuned into the zeitgeist, they don't realize how bad Cal basketball is. And it is so funny to picture Cal basketball playing uh, at home versus Duke or North Carolina or Virginia, just on the regular. Yes. Like, that is, they are going to get, if they thought the Pac 12 was throttling them, I can't wait till the Cameron Crazies find their cell phone boomers. And and with with the hiring of, of Mark Madsen, um, that we have officially. Retired Cal's corner, and they will be better this year. They're doing, you know, this will be last year was sort of their rock bottom, but it is a whole different deal going to the ACC if you're Cal. I would argue that they're somehow now in a worse position than they were when they had Mark Fox and were at danger of winning no games. Right. I mean, (laughs) somehow it got worse. They honestly, through no fault of the basketball team itself, but just the situation, the environment they find themselves. It's like if you took a really weak fish that was having a hard time living in a small pond and you threw it into Lake Michigan, you're like, have fun. Now you got to puff your chest out a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if they thought they needed to loosen their academic restrictions on recruits before they really, now you got to start buying houses for your recruits to compete (laughs) in the conference you're going, you're going to. Yeah, so good luck with that. Speaking of good luck, another update um, for the Pac-2 versus the Trader 10 is a lawsuit or a restraining order that Oregon State and Washington State have filed in a small, very tiny courthouse in Washington, um, in close to Pullman, in whatever county seat that is. I don't have the name in front of me. That's uh, supposed to stop the Pac-12 from voting on anything because obviously – uh, all the Trader 10 schools could just vote to take the remaining assets of the Pac-12. Right. They're still trying to divvy up the assets. Who gets what? It's clear that because none of those schools are part of the Pac-12, why would they get the assets of the conference they're leaving? It's, it's like so- if someone quit their job and was like, I will also take half of the profit from this company. So you're not even And here. some of yours as well. Yeah. It's so transparently insulting the way they're good because what's so funniest to me almost is that when UCLA and USC did this and defected on their own, they were immediately kicked out of those meetings. Right. right. But when it's everybody, then we, we're just going to pretend we forgot about that. No. And there was a nice little detail that the head of the Oregon uh, alumni association or head, no, not alumni association, head of the Oregon board, the person who initiated the vote to pull out of the PAC 12 and join the big 10 he started it from a sand trap in the Portland Golf Club. So just picture a rich douchebag in a sand trap playing golf, destroying the Pac-12 right. on his phone. It's exactly what everyone on the outside who's watching this thinks it is. It's just rich people who don't care ruining everything. You're not even good at, at the game that you play if you're hitting it out of the sand trap. I hope you stay there. Yeah. So um sounds like depending on what happens with the resources, like Oregon State and Washington State are going to try and stay in the Pac-12, hold on to some sort of whatever name brand value is – left of that conference. I don't know. I really don't know if there's going to be any name brand value. If the LA no, but whatever is should belong to the two of them. They shouldn't have to split it up with people that killed it. There looks like it's an almost inevitable merger or some sort of takeover, quote unquote. I don't know how it can be a takeover to two schools, um, but some sort of merger, quote unquote, takeover of the Mountain West, which is already run by a former Pac-12 executive. So it's, you know, it's the ground is laid. 
Right. I think that's where we're headed, but it was a small victory uh, Monday, but a victory nonetheless that the restraining order was granted, I think, pretty swiftly, too. That's right. Um, okay, so that's it for general conference updates. Do you have any updates on the team or anything you want well, to talk about? So let's get back to the beeves, right, and focus in on 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 the basketball team that we love so much. Uh, uh, the, the the real unfortunate one is Nate Nate Midoff, who played last year at College of Southern Idaho, was one of the recruits in this class, um, is going to be out for the season. It's a knee injury, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe a hand, something with the leg. I apologize for, for getting a very, very relevant detail. But it's that's that sucks objectively. That's bad news, right? Nate Midoff, prodigal son, Kaiser great, returning home to Oregon State after dominating at the junior college level at a great junior college was poised to maybe play some backup guard minutes. Maybe there's some noise about him potentially starting. But, you know, I think what this does is it puts more pressure on Christian Wright to get himself healthy and be in the type of shape. Because he's good when he plays, but he just dealt with so many injuries in the last two years that if he can be durable, I don't think this is as big a loss as it maybe seems. But if he's not, then you're essentially down to, what, one point guard? Yeah, it just makes it all the more important that Wright and then also Justin Roshlin are actually 100% healthy or close enough to it going into the season because they weren't at this time a year ago. Um, but, yeah, I think those two guys, along with O'Connor, are going to be the ones that are going to take the minutes that Midoff might have had. Exactly. You can't miss what you never had. You can't miss what you never had. That's the glory, the beauty of it all. And so we wish him a recovery, and hopefully he'll be ready to go by this time next year. But more pressingly, we've got some updates in the non-conference schedule. This is all very exciting thing. I'm going to pull it up right now. Okay, here it is. Here it is. Um, I don't think it's finalized, but according to ESPN at this point, most of it is. They, they play Troy November 10th at home. All of these are at home except Nebraska, which is in in uh, South Dakota, and then Baylor, and then the winner, or of course, the winner of the Pittsburgh-Florida game. That'll be in, in New York, but I can't wait to play Nebraska in South Dakota. That sounds insane. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, I, I November 18th, it's going to be. It's going to be a blizzard. Yeah, in a, in a, in a one-of-a-kind uh, venue. It's going to be an experience for anyone that can make it. I'll just, I'll just list off the opponents. These are all a gill except the two I just said, but Troy, Appalachian State, Nebraska and South Dakota, Baylor, and then either Pittsburgh or Florida in Brooklyn, UC Davis. We look for some revenge there. Uh, then Utah Valley, Texas San Antonio, and then Idaho State. One can expect probably two more games to be added to it, Portland or Portland State, and then maybe probably like a Lewis and Clark or something like that. Should the Beavers duck Portland State this year? I don't think you can, but I theirs might be finalized. They have the, – the Big Sky has their conference schedule out. But if they're not going to play Portland State, one would assume they play Portland, right? It's just logistically too logical. I mean, I think that's something they do pretty much every year. Yeah. So I want to play OIT. Oh man, yeah, I that, that right. Oh yeah, so there's also going to be an exhibition game, which may be OIT, and there will be a secret scrimmage, which we'll do our best to to find some info about because that'll probably be against a Division One team. So we're getting closer, right? We're getting closer. Um, yeah, and next we'll probably start just doing like Pac-12 updates. So this is kind of our last fun one. After this, we'll get more into the nitty gritty of basketball, which we know. You love and need if you're anything right, like which is what we're itching for. And we've got some other fun guests lined up. But. That's very true. Um, all right. Well, with that said, we're going to jump into our interview with Kevin McShane, Oregon State legend, Craig Robinson, player, CBI, 
champion. All right, we're here with Oregon State legend Kevin McShane from walking on to three-time captain at Oregon State, a forward uh, from 2008 to 2012, first freshman of the Craig Robinson era, uh, if I'm not mistaken. We're also, Kevin, I'm sorry, we're known for kind of like borderline cherry-picking or making up stats, so correct me later <laughs> if I get any of this wrong. Um, undefeated in front of President Obama in person when he watched you guys play in person and a CBI champion. Kevin McShane, welcome to the Payton Years. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me. I got to say, I did not know that undefeated stat in front of uh, President Obama. That, that, that's a fun one we'll have to put in the, uh, the repertoire. Thank you for that one. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's one for the resume. That's a credit for sure. Oh, it totally is. Now, I, I, um, the usual icebreaker when it comes up is, oh, like, you know, have you met anyone famous? You know, those conversations with new jobs or new friends. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, I um, I counted potatoes with President Obama. <laughs> That's... And... Go ahead. That's uh, an important job. Yeah, like yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. We, we used to go back there every Thanksgiving, as I'm sure you guys know. Right. And my senior year, we did something with the, uh, the food bank that was there. And it wasn't confirmed if Brock and Michelle and the girls were coming, but, you know, it, it might happen. So we're sitting there, and it went to... Uh, I was first, and then Eric Moreland, and then I think Chris Brown, and then Joe Burton, and then kind of the, the string of guys, and I would grab a bag, I'd put potatoes in, i pass it down, and all of a sudden there were guys with suits coming out of the shadows like a Batman movie, and I was like, oh, shit, I think, I think the president's here. And he comes up, and, you know, we're, you know, trying to act cool, but it's President Obama. And he's like, uh, uh, hey, Kevin, how's it going? Good to... Uh, see you again i'm like oh hey miss president <laughs> and he goes now uh what's the uh what's the process here what what do we got going on i was like well i grab a bag and i put four potatoes in it and i pass to eric then he does the carrots and you know putting together thanksgiving things here oh very nice very nice yeah so i can uh i can uh, count potatoes with you then yeah yes mr president we can, we can do that <laughs> yeah one of the one of the highlights from those years for sure What's the most embarrassing thing an Oregon State basketball player did at the White House or in front of uh, Obama in your tenure there? Like you just said you were standing next to Eric Moreland. And I mean, we just were talking about a, an article last year where Eric Moreland was the only person who was happy in the Chinese bubble when he was playing in the CBA <laughs> over there. So just like what? There's a lot of characters in those Robinson lot, teams. Right. Like you were there four times. And so we all like we all know there's a lot of characters that went with you there. Yes. Yes, there were. Um, I'm trying to think of something specific. I think there was a couple times where, um, you know, as you can imagine, the security protocol is pretty tight, right? And mm. I think someone, we had gotten off the bus and we were at like the first check, right? And they were checking like no phones, all this and that. And someone had like their phone, their wallet and some gum. And we we're like, bro, what are you, what are you doing? Are you, you can't be reaching into your pocket in the White House. I mean, like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, there was a fun story, actually. I think it was my junior year, sophomore, junior, and we had walked down to the basketball court and checked it out. We couldn't play with anyone, Brock, because they were doing stuff. But while we were there, a report had come out that Brock was playing with some of his friends and yeah. got a bloody lip. And so we had our little tour and our visit, and we were done, got back to the bus and checked my phones, and I had a text from my dad. 
And he is like, boy, please tell me you did not elbow the person. <laughs> <laughs> play lip. I was like, no, sir, that was not me. Come on, you got to treat every opponent the same way, right? <laughs> That's what he said. He's like, well, if you came in the block, you know, you got to let him know. And I was like, no, <laughs> that, that's, that's not what happened. When you're in the process of talking to Oregon State and deciding you want to play there, is um, Craig Robinson, because you were his first freshman recruit, we think, right? I know you went to do well, like a gray shirt year at Clackamas Community College, right? Yeah. Nice work, yeah. Which, shout out. Cliff Wagner and Clackamas, fantastic coach, great program. I was um, a manager at, at Portland for two years, so NWAG guys are, are built differently, yeah. you know. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Uh, yeah, so Craig had his um, hiring announcement, and I was down there with my pops, and we were in the front row, and I didn't realize at the time it was just media, but looking back, it was for sure, like, just media and some family. And we are sitting in the front row, and um, – Shortly after, within a week or two, somewhere after there, I asked uh, if I could come have a meeting with him. So I showed up, and I said, hey, coach, you've never heard of me. You haven't recruited me. No disrespect. I get it. Um, but I'd like to come join the program, and I'll be one of the hardest working guys you've ever coached. And we had a little conversation about it. And um, he said, well, you can you know, start out as a walk-on and, and see what comes from there. So, so technically, maybe I was the first person that, like, committed you know or mm. said i was coming um but his first recruit was joe burton uh, okay. and and joe was became one of my good friends and we were roommates on the road one year and uh yeah that that's that's a fun first he's, he's <laughs> i love it what was uh so your freshman year at oregon state that's the year you guys win the cbi right that's um sure. so what what's that experience like because it's Craig Robinson's first year. He's taking over for Jay John, who's a pretty embattled Oregon State coach. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, and so he, he's coming in fresh. He's got like the connections to the White House. I don't know what what was that season like. How does it feel to win the championship? Kind of. Can you give us a little bit of like some of the highlights from that year? Yeah. Uh, it started out pretty much in the dark, and not just because we had practice. It started at five thirty in the morning. Um, but no one really knew what to expect, right? Like everyone's talking about the Princeton offense and yes, he has these presidential or I guess Brock wasn't president at the time, but he had these political connections and um, it was a lot of growing pains at the beginning and trying to figure out what exactly we had. But towards the end of the season, um, leaning on Ruland Shaftenar and some of the other guys, we made it to that CBI. Yeah. And it was pretty cool for me personally seeing how much Beaver Nation came out and started supporting the team and the program because the year before, you know, wasn't great. Right. And when our season started, I'm pretty sure you could hear people breathing in the stands at the start <laughs> of the game because there wasn't that many people there. But as the season went on, we kind of had some success. Um, it was it was pretty fun. And, and playing UTEP in the CBI, um, those are some good memories. I always love Schaffner. I'm glad you brought him up. He's one of my all-time favorite players just because it's so random to have like a kind of slow, tall Dutch guy. But he's like throwing behind the back passes. And he's just yeah. got like so much flair to his game. He's yeah. kind of like a, a an earlier version of Jokic. That's how oh, deranged right. we are on this podcast. We'll, we'll put it out there, not you. I was just about to say he was Jokic before Jokic was Jokic. I, yeah, it, you hear the term point center everywhere now, but I swear in like 2008 when Craig called him a point center, that was like a crazy thing to refer to a basketball player as. He yeah. he was ahead of his time for sure. Oh, definitely. But, and he really was a point center. He had the height of a center, 
right? But our offense ran through him. Right. He was such a fun passer to watch. What was uh, what was Robinson like as a coach? Just because we were talking about before, he was really unorthodox, I feel like, for like the college basketball landscape. Like a lot of like, he brought in a lot of like different tactics, I would say that, um, I don't know, just like, I feel like he was really leaning into like the one three one press. Like, and he was really big and putting like, you'd see centers pressing guards up top and just like all sorts of just kind of like new stuff. What was that like just in general as a coach? Um, I think he was one of those coaches that knows exactly what's he, what he wants out of his players. And, and you get to decide if you want to play in that role and play in that system or not. And you can try to fight it and it's going to be really <laughs> tough practice and a really tough year and not a great experience, or you can give into it. And, and I think that freshman year we had enough guys that were, doing well enough in the roles they were assigned to, to win the CBI and have some fun. Right. Uh, but, but I, I think he was a fantastic role model for some of the guys on the team. Um, other guys didn't get along with him so well, but, but I'm thankful for the experiences I had because sometimes you have coaches that are just fantastic and, and challenge you on the court. And sometimes you have coaches that you realize later were challenging you as a person and you get to figure out if you want to grow from that or not. Yeah. What were some of his, I've heard stories of like 4 a.m. Pra- uh, punishment practices and stuff like that. What's the earliest he made you guys come to the gym to practice? Yeah, the, the loose ball drills, he's, the start practice, stuff like that. In my mind, Craig Robinson, one of the things he was like locally famous for was like the rumor that he just like never slept, you know, like he just never, he was always up. That's what I, that's what I heard. He was an early morning guy, always had his coffee. So when we started out, Practice started at 5.30 in the morning. And he expected us to be on the court at 5.10. <laughs> so, and again, this this is my recollection of it. Um, me being a freshman walk-on and knowing that I had a lot of room to grow, a lot of skills to develop, a lot to prove, I was like, I need to get in the gym and work more, right? And after practice... You have weights, then you have class, then you have other stuff. And so I'm going I'm to get in the gym early. So I was in the gym. Every day we had an early morning practice. I was in the gym by 4.30, sometimes yeah. earlier. And um, sometimes the lights weren't on. Sometimes the hoops weren't up. But I just found a way to, to do it. And those first few weeks of early morning practices were, were tough for everybody. I don't care, senior, freshman, captain, not captain, this, that, whatever. Um. But he, he did a pretty good job of enforcing how it was going to be. And um, <laughs> it was funny. This is a story you guys will appreciate. Sometimes someone wouldn't be, you know, carrying their weight. And so we'd have to run. Mm-hmm. And he had these things called three fours. Have you guys heard about those? No, it's a three four. All right. So you have the teams in the baseline and there's, there's three groups. And each group has usually four or five guys on it, depending on how many people are in practice and playing, whatever. And a two is a down and back. So a four is down, back, and down, back. Okay. And the drill is called and twos, but we usually ran three fours. So the first group would go up, down, back, down, back. Second group, down, back, down, back. Third group, down, back, down, back. That's one four. So three fours, each group is going three times down and back. <laughs> right? Now, it's not just conditioning. Because you can run to run, right? Let, let's get the teamwork involved. So it was like a, a three-man or four-man, not a weave, but a full-court 
passing layup drill. <laughs> if, if you miss the layup, if you weren't running fast enough, if you didn't at least make it to the free throw line and back each time, if the ball hit the floor, or if because he was feeling like, yeah, you guys should run more. It just was say, a little bit of a sloppy rep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. would say, you know, two more or and two. Anyways, if you messed up, so you might have three fours. Not that challenging. Someone misses a layup, now it's a six. <laughs> Someone doesn't run fast enough, now it's an eight. So an eight would be down back, down back, down back, <laughs> down back. And in the morning, if someone was late, if they weren't up there in time, if he thought we weren't working hard enough, whatever it was, he might start out, hey, hey, three-fourths. We're like, damn. <laughs> or if someone was acting up, it'd be three-eighths. And um, <laughs> that was – I forget what made me think about that, but that was definitely definitely a pillar of our uh, – our practices every year, every season throughout. What's just a, a general highlight? What's something that like really sticks in your mind after playing four years? Cause you had a lot of, I mean, you were very prominent. You've had a lot of experience cause you were, I can't remember the exact titles of it or ever, but you were president of like the student athlete association at Oregon state. You were, I want to say like co-president or co-chair of like the whole one for the PAC 10 or PAC 12 at the time. Right. So yeah. With all those considered in basketball on the court, what kind of stands out? What looks like the highlight from the Oregon State basketball experience? Um, three areas come to mind. The first is the the presidential connections and going to the White House and Brock and Michelle. That that's that's just that's still kind of surreal to me. The second um, are just some of the games that stand out. Like we lost at home to Stanford. I think it was four overtimes. <laughs> oh yeah, the shoe were the game where Roberto Nelson lost yeah. his shoe and got yeah. two buckets. So there's that game. There's the game that we lost by 51 at home, my sophomore year, which was not the a great Seattle, game. right? Yeah. Seattle, yep. U. Um, it was, it was practice bad. after that where <laughs> Coach the yeah. and I was like, what? Uh, there's certain fans, fan groups like Arizona. Uh, and the dog pound at UW, there's certain memories like that that stick out. But the one that's probably most relevant today um, is, Andy, as you mentioned, the, the Student Athlete Advisor Committee, or SAC. And I was involved at the Oregon State level, then the Pac-10, Pac-10 became Pac-12, and then once it was the Pac-12, my senior year represented the whole Pac-12 to the NCAA in Indianapolis. And back in that time in 2012, we were already talking about how do college players get paid or not? Is that fair or not? What do you do about trans athletes, right? How, how, does, how does that work? So we were starting to have those conversations a decade ago yeah. and trying to figure out how does it work and what does it look like and what's fair and this and that and, and seeing how some of that is coming to fruition today with like the NIL deals um, is, is still kind of crazy for me to think about. Oh, yeah, for sure. You were at the forefront of a lot of that. I mean, you even said it. We wanted to bring it up, but you went from playing in the Pac-10 to the Pac-12. How, how do you feel now about the Pac-2 or the dis the dissolvement? It's it's sad, man. Like, a part of me gets it. You know, it's about money. It It's all about money. Mm -hmm. But it's really about money for football. And it's still going to be challenging for some of these teams in the West Coast 
to travel to the East Coast and play in some of these games. What about the non-football t- sports? What about the teams, whether it's, you know, golf or soccer or volleyball or the schools that have polo and wrestling? Like, you want them to travel how often, how far? And those those teams usually don't have the same budget as the, the, the bigger sports, you know? So right. it's, it's, it's sad to see the pack fall apart. It's sad to see the rivalries and the tradition. Um, it, it's also going to be challenging, I think, to see how these programs and the conferences continue to support the student athletes that are there. You know? Right. Yeah, I don't know logistically how they're going to do it, how any of it's going to work out. I mean, I think Stanford is – playing Stanford and Cal are playing their home games in Dallas. Like it, Ridiculous. Just, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's, uh, and I just don't understand why. I mean, like you said, if this is all about football, football is what's driving all of this. So why can't we just let football programs do their own thing? Why does it have to affect Oregon state's men's basketball schedule? Exactly. And, and you guys might know this. Aren't there programs where their football is independent, but the other programs are within a conference? Yeah. yeah. UConn is yeah. doing that. I, I, um, I just have a hard time accepting the fact that what's happening really wasn't the best decision for everybody involved. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. But Oregon wanted the Big Ten money. We'll give it to them. It's fine. Um, who? <laughs> what's your all-time – who's your all-time favorite Oregon State teammates? We were talking about earlier. You kind of went through and you saw – you kind of were at the end of an era of players because you came in with like – uh, the last Tarver brother, the Schopenhauer, then you also played with kind of like the people who are famous in our eyes for the Craig Robinson era, like Moreland and Collier. Yeah, you're at that overlap where you played with a lot of Jay John guys too. Yeah. You know, that's that's a tough thing to answer as far as just one. I will say that um, for a while there, I was pretty close uh, with Omari Johnson and Joe Burton, um, uh, Roberto for a while. Um, actually – the person I've become closest with was Michael Moyer. You guys know him? That name is so familiar. Yeah. Who is Michael he, Moyer? Was he a fellow walk-on? He was. He yeah, was. that's right. He uh, he and I are actually best friends now. Talk all the time. That that's that's my guy right there. He uh, I was playing in Dixon one summer, and you know, just having a little fun in the off season. You know, just playing some ball. And this guy was playing. I was like, man, this guy's like pretty good. Like he's I've never seen him before. And I said, hey, man, are you a uh, like, do you go here? He's like, oh, yeah, I just transferred from uh, from St. John's. And I was like, oh, well, do you play, like, basketball? He's like, yeah, like, I'm here. And I was like, no, like, do you play somewhere? <laughs> He's like, no. I was like, well, um, would you be interested in, in playing for, for, like, the Beavers? He's like, what do you mean? And I was like, the, the Beavers basketball team. He's like, yeah, what do you mean? And I was like, <laughs> the, like the Beavers, like the Oregon State men's basketball team. He's like, what do you talk about? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm the captain, and, and I can – make an introduction if you want to be like a walk like I'm walk on like you know anyways he came on we became best friends so he he's a person that I became closest with but as far as while we were there um Joe Burton is probably the guy that's going to stand out <laughs> you know he was he was pretty entertaining uh always nice mostly to everyone had some funny moments but but Joe Joe's a solid guy <laughs> One of the more fun guys to watch. I mean, he he actually took some of Andy's popcorn at halftime of a game. So we love yeah. Joe. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what surprised me. Right. Yeah, that's the tracks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. There was just no one in the stands, and I was sitting there as one of those like 
winter break games where nobody's there. And yeah, he just came up and had some of my popcorn and we just talked a little bit about the game. Then he went on the court and got back in layup line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Layup line just started warming up. That's pretty good. You know, he's got a he's got a, a son. He's got a couple kids, but his son looks just like him. Really? <laughs> Is he huge? Me. Yes. <laughs> he, like he, exactly. It's kind of creepy, but but it's, it's cool to see him as a dad. That's cool. I wonder are the kids French because he's been playing in like France, I think, for a long time, right? Does he are they? Um, I'm not sure if if any of his kids speak uh, French or I think he was maybe in Japan for a bit. Um, <laughs> oh god, he's been I would all over the place. I would yeah. pay a yeah. lot of money to watch Joe Burton post up some Japanese guys. That <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna dive deep and look yeah. up some of those games. It it was still fascinating to me how nimble he was. Oh yeah. Man, he's dancing a... bear. I mean, it was a fair nickname. I think I don't know if Bill Walton gave him that nickname or if he just loved to say it a bunch, whatever yeah. he called Beaver games. Bill Walton's yeah. favorite player, man. Yeah, he had in the the sky hooks to see someone who doesn't necessarily even have that long of arms, but they're just doing a sky hook and no one can get through the body. Uh that was yeah, he was an entertaining player for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was one of the uh one of the solid guys. What was uh We'll wrap up here with it. We got, got a couple more questions to let you go. We know you're busy, and we really appreciate you taking some time out for it. But, yeah, uh, all gravy. What's uh, what's your least favorite? What was the least favorite team to play against? Who was the team that you guys really hated or thought were like, you know, just like kind of like they're like you're like these are bad kids. I'll be honest. I'm not sure I ever thought they were bad kids. Bad <laughs> That's just what we call but, Arizona State. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> Um, doesn't have to be true. We yeah. just put it out there. <laughs> I think I think for me it was always the most fun for us to play Oregon. I mean, obviously, um, in Washington. Okay. Because because the Washington fan base, the dog pound, man, they were ruthless. They would they would get the phone numbers of us of guys in the team. <laughs> And they'd just be texting all kinds of reckless stuff. Like the day before, the night before, they would find pictures deep on Facebook and like have them, yeah. you know, during the game. And so it was always kind of exciting. Like, yo, who are they going to get this year? Like, yeah. <laughs> they, we, we were up in Seattle last year when they played Washington and sat near the student section. I was kind of shocked how, how much they would go in on. I think it was like three dudes they focused on. Yeah, they, like, damn, guys. they knew a lot. Yeah. <laughs> This is this is super embarrassing, but I'll tell you guys. So we were playing at Arizona State, and I think it was my junior or sophomore year, and and I was trying to grow some facial hair, but I couldn't really do it. And so I was trying to rock this little like weird goatee thing because I couldn't grow a beard. So I was like, I'll give this a shot. Not a great decision, right? Like, <laughs> not great. And in the fans by the bench, man. They were like, number zero is not allowed behind schools. Like, they were, <laughs> they were going in on me. And, and that will always stand out. My teammates love that. It's safe to say I, I took that off the next day. Right. <laughs> save those for the home game. Yeah, save letting the facial hair grow when you're at Gill, at least. It is always see, funny to see a heckle work, though. As a fan, it's always funny to see that. From a, Oh, yeah. Kudos. Sometimes it hurt. Like, it was <laughs> like, damn, that was, that was good. That was good. We'll give you some redemption in the way out because I played basketball at Central Catholic, so you played basketball at Jesuit High School. Um, so there's a famous tradition called the Holy War, which is where Central Catholic goes and just gets beaten to a pulp by Jesuit. And so I want to know what what's the worst you ever beat Central Catholic in your in well, your high school career? To be fair, 
And that's not always the case. Sometimes y'all y'all be getting the dub. Sometimes you know. It, Thank you for saying that. That's the classic Jesuit politeness where they don't even acknowledge. <laughs> that's they don't a even, Gene they Potter yeah, player they for you. Like, yeah, they good. won't even. They'll help you up. They won't even say anything. Yeah, playing Jesuits like playing robots. They're like I don't even think they know I'm out here. They're just like hitting every three. <laughs> that's that's funny. Um, I honestly don't have that many that many memories, mm. good or bad from Jesuit like so I'll occasionally see some teammates and Mm -hmm. we'll you know talk about this game or that game or whatever and they're like oh you remember the time when John or Kevin or Daniel or Andrew were like had this I'm like yeah I don't (laughs) I don't remember you're like I want a CBI sorry (laughs) I'm friends with Barack I'm on a first day basis with Barack Obama right Uh, at Central do you guys have any type of like alumni tournament uh, they used to have it, and it, it kind of fell like in the last like three or four years. But yeah, they did used to have one. There was one class, I think it was 04, 05, who just won it every single year, and people yeah. got kind of tired of it. They they have that at Jesuit. It's called the Crusader Crunch. So I gotta be honest, it's it's pretty fun, man. They, they got like the competitive <laughs> side and the rec side. Yeah. And in our class, we we won it a couple times and got our butts kicked a couple times but i'm getting the point now where next year i might have to like go over to that rec side you know what I mean? <laughs> it starts to look more and more fun at that yeah after you know, a like, while. i just i want to come have some fun i don't need to like you know no disrespect but pull out aaron Rodgers and get hurt and then i'm done <laughs> you know i just i just want to have fun with it well that's a great place to end up as um starting where you did from and as an oregon state athlete you know i just i love that that's still the mindset you still love basketball that's perfect oh yeah that's, um, Sam, you got anything else for uh, Kevin on our way out? No, just thank you again so much. Like you're a fan favorite in a lot of people. You hold a special place in a lot of Beaver fans' hearts for a reason. I think our the Peyton heads, that's what we call our listeners, are going to love this. But given this is the last go-round for the Pac-12, I hope we can see you at Gill at some point. We're going to be down there as much as you can and try to make it a crazy atmosphere. Thanks, man. You know, I, I got to be honest. I, I, I really appreciate that. Um my dad played at Oregon State every day in practice. I'd see their team up there, and I'm like, man, I got I to gotta leave an impact. And I didn't leave one in the stat book, but, but I really appreciate the fact when stuff like this comes up and the work and those hours and, and making new friends and Beaver Nation connecting is, is awesome. So I don't know if you guys are going to the football game on Saturday. I'll be there. If not there, <laughs> we'll see you at Gill and, and maybe you know meet up at a gym sometime in Portland, a hoop. That'd be, that'd be fun. Heck yeah, man. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for being on. We really appreciate you. Good luck uh, in the rec league, rec side, this upcoming uh, Crusader Crunch. <laughs> thanks, fellas. Go deep, you know. Yeah. yeah. You've earned it. Expand your game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Big thanks to Kevin for coming on. That was great. That was a perfect interview. A, a, truly a, a legend in, in Oregon State men's basketball. It was fun to, to – to reminisce on some some memories from a little farther back. That's when we were of college age. So yeah, like I said, he'll always hold a special place in a lot of Beaver fans' heart. And we have we have to have him back on because we forgot to ask him about playing against Lil Romeo, which oh, is on true. Us. Yeah, he's in such a that was such a unique time. The Pac-10, Pac-12, with so many characters around. Yeah, you had Obama going to Beaver games and Lil Romeo playing spot minutes for a former NBA coach and ha- also having multiple NBA teammates. I can almost 100% confirm that 
he was undefeated when Obama watched a game in person. We're gonna go ahead and claim it. If you, <laughs> we're no, gonna go ahead and claim it. No one's fact checking us, anyways, except Coach Tinkle. Apparently, sometimes but <laughs> I don't know that he would he would argue that one. Only late at night after a very tough loss. Yes, after after a Bud Light or two, <laughs> or soda, as he likes to call them. Um, okay. Which is so cool. So cool. <clears throat> All right. Any shout outs on our way out of here? I, I do. And this is someone that's been shouted out many times on this podcast before. But one of our favorite listeners, if not our favorite listener, uh, Marla had a birthday. Of course, the mother of assistant coach Marlon Stewart. We love you, Marla. Hope you had a fun birthday. And we're excited for this season. I'm so excited to see so many people at Gill this year. Definitely. Happy birthday, Marla. And then my shout-out is to the uh, Puerto Rican national team that finished 12th in the world. Um, they brought back two Oregon State faces, the Thompson brothers, Ethan Thompson, Stevie Thompson. They were on the team. Stevie Thompson averaged nine points. He had a couple Stevie games. Stevie was going off in a few of them. Yeah, he had a tear in their group play where he had, like, back-to-back 20-plus point games, really on the high end of 20 points, just went off for him. Word. Um, looked really good. I like watching the team play. I saw them got accidentally drubbed by Serbia. That was a fun game to watch. Just some like brick house, 30 year old Serbian shoving the Thompsons around that, that brought me back to Oregon state days. Right. So go, seeing Stevie go for 21 on six threes, you know, harken you back to him giving it to Washington, but also things like that for sure. The beaver bias will follow back. you wherever you go. Beaver bias follows you wherever you go. The best you can do is learn to live with it and fight it off as best you can. It, it will not die. Exactly. And I want to give a shout out to that judge who's presiding over the restraining order. Um, yeah, shout out to that guy. Fighting the do, good fight. Do the right thing. Isn't he a Washington State grad? Did I read that? Yeah, he's like a Washington State grad. Yeah. I think he said that there's no time limit on this uh, because he only has like a doctor's appointment in the afternoon. That's <laughs> that sounds like something Bud Withers would say. Like he, he's a small town. Us. He's a small town judge who went to Washington State. So hoping he does the right thing. Shout out to that guy. You know who you are. I, you might listen to this. Right. He seems like someone who may occasionally listen to this. Maybe the week we play Washington State only. Uh-huh, but yeah. Come on the pod, dude. That would be a good get for us. Do the right thing and come on the pod. We'll celebrate you like the god you are. And uh, I guess just the one other thing I wanted to say, and I do mean this, um, fuck the Ducks. Fuck the Ducks. All right, go be forever. See you all very soon. Stay tuned, everybody.